When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it, you made it. We're here at Friday at Sale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Damon Barr in for the next uh, couple of shows today, tomorrow, and we're going to even, we may let him travel during the weekend. He'll be back Monday. Chris Schmidt with you, and we're loaded up, man. Plenty to talk. Husker baseball gets a series kicked off here. Well, now, as the uh, game moved up from 6.30 to now, out at Haymarket, the Terrapins come calling. Some football thoughts with the NFL draft. You have a second pro day with Mr. Justin Fields. What, oh, what do the Niners do at that third pick overall? Do they go with Justin Fields? They go with Mac Jones? We'll discuss and uh, we'll get you caught up on the drama that is the NCAA and uh, women's volleyball. Numbers to get in, 466-377-76-800-825-5865. Give us a follow. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. At Damon Barr, that's two R's. Find an email if you like, chris at HaleVarsity.com. So, in about 15 minutes, our Friday chat with Derek Peterson from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine. Excited to get his thoughts on another week of spring football. Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports. Bill is going to lay this out perfectly with the NCAA, with volleyball, and uh, the mess that has been the last 24 hours because Bill works for a major network. Bill's had to do remote broadcasts with the Olympic Channel and with the Olympics upcoming. And Bill's kind of one of the, the, the original gangsters, so to speak, of, of covering volleyball with NET and, and beyond. I mean, Bill's called national championship matches, right? So Bill knows volleyball uh, through and through, so we'll get Bill's take on that. And uh, some spring thoughts. When it comes to uh, development, turnovers, recruiting, portal, all that, I think I interrupted uh, some fishing, but it was well worth it, at least on my end. Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network, the coach with us at 525. So uh, you're welcome to dive in. This was uh, just tweeted out by the Husker Football uh, Twitter handle, and it was a quick drive-through of of, of today's scrimmage and it's reminding us to not drink the Kool-Aid and it was a pretty good little video of some slow-mo some highlights little tour action there was 
because, you know, the world's worried about Omar Manning. There was an Omar Manning siding, cheering for his teammates, a, a diving catch between the seam, a touchdown grab for Omar Manning. Uh, Wyatt Lure was doing work as well, and Adrian Martinez back to his Mahomes-esque ways of avoiding a rush, rolling, throwing, completing. So just a, a little appetizer of what you're going to get to see a week from Saturday should the weather hold. What do you think, Damon, here? You're a, you're kind of a critic. I love it. You're watching the video right now. You uh, you have a big red sweatshirt on. It's not your usual Astros gear, thank the Lord. And you're like, you're smiling. I mean, give me more of this video. As soon as I saw that number five in pads, helmet on, I was like, whoa. Hey, he's practicing. We're seeing practice. There's, there's Omar Manning. He is real. It's kind of like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny, right? Is Omar real? <laughs> Omar's a uh, dude. He, he's a great talent. You want to see that talent on the field. And there was major freak out. I don't know that we contributed to the chum in the water on that with Omar, but it's it's a fair take. Dude, if you're going to play and, and, and be a part of this offense, you need to be practicing on the field. Now, we have no earthly idea why he was held out the other day. It's kind of between him and the coaches and all good. Just get ready and be productive when you're there. Uh, Terry Pettit is gold. Nebraska's former head coach, Hall of Famer, national championship volleyball coach. Just put this so perfectly last night when it comes to Nebraska volleyball and the NCAA volleyball. Here's the problem. When you don't receive input from people who care about a sport, you can come up short. The NCAA's approach to the tournament in Omaha is like when you run out of treats at Halloween and you stand, start handing out carrots. Well, we're, we're out of Kit Kats, Damon. I know what the neighbor kids will love, tofu. Oh, why are there eggs all over my house? Why are my tires slashed? Why is the trees teepeed? And why did someone set fire to my front yard? It was trick or treat. There was no treat. So let's get into the volleyball specifics here. And what did happen is, uh, is this. You had a response by the NCAA last night. Purdue's coach, Dave Shondell, tweeting, this is Bush League. My thoughts exactly. Shared those with you yesterday. So what we do know is this. Terraflex, the all-important shock absorber, will be on practice courts. That was clarified by the NCAA. I'm fairly certain Nebraska, Creighton, and UNO are letting the NCAA borrow some because, you know, the NCAA doesn't have any. Uh, Are there going to be changing areas? Yes. Is it a specific locker room? Is it a souped-up facility? No, because, again, the NCAA whiffed on planning ahead or thinking ahead with several different venues. What did you see with the NCAA tournament? You saw Butler's famed 
Fieldhouse used. You saw Indiana University. You saw Purdue used. You saw different venues for the women's basketball tournament. You're going to have on-campus sites in use for the college baseball postseason. But when it comes to volleyball, what happened? You have one spot, and that's the CHI Center. Great area, phenomenal facility. You're slamming a million courts into it, and it's going to feel like a travel team tournament in West Des Moines versus the NCAA championships. That's a legit gripe. So the first two rounds are not nationally broadcast typically. Schools can sell their rights to local networks or conferences. We have been blessed for decades with NETV. And when Nebraska hosts, because they always do, because they're great, you get to watch the opening round or opening two rounds on NET or the Big Ten Network. So ESPN, I think, is going to reconsider those first two rounds without announcers. And I think they'll be smart to, to, I mean, there are people all over the country in the Midwest that would find their way to, to Omaha to do games. You've got a lot of dudes to pick from. Putney, Dolman, Kugler. I mean, there are guys you can make phone calls to that have done volleyball and kill it. There are people to do games. You can farm it out locally. And guess what? There's no travel expense or minimal. So the NCAA uh, said additional challenges created by the pandemic-related restrictions, uh, but quite frankly, it's not been executed as well as as other sports, i.e. basketball for the men and women, and uh, baseball is something that's, We'll see where they go. But, I mean, ESPN will, will will step up for that. This was frustrating. This was uh, deserved to be called out. And we'll see if ESPN figures it out because they're, they're needing to step their game up when it comes to the broadcasts of these. Provide announcers. Just don't flip the stream on like it's – a high school event, and that's not knocking high schools. This is the NCAA championships. This is the Division One college volleyball tournament of all tournaments. So there's been some some reaction, and the NCAA responded. Uh, spring football. We'll get to some baseball in just a second, and we'll dive into this with Derek Peterson. But I know we were talking a little bit here about defensive ceiling for the for the Nebraska defense offensively. That's been on my mind. It might be on your mind as a Big Red football fan. Where do you go here? And this is your small snapshot, which is the Rutgers game, but you ran for a season high. You did so with three freshman offensive linemen. Uh, You want more of that? Yes, please. Do you have a back that can be as good or better than Mills to hand off to? That's $1 million question. Another question is, the receiving core. Well, based on the don't drink the Kool-Aid video, you've got Toure and Manning on top of some tight ends to use. There was a shot of Nixon as well, which is good. Offensively, I think they – I don't worry about their talent level. I worry about finding kind of that 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 wheelhouse 
bread and butter. And Greg Austin talked about bread and butter last year. He wasn't lying. Let's find a bread and butter. I think Nebraska can find that go-to, and I think it's going to be a little easier to go with it and, and stick with it here with Lubick. Scott Frost is a really smart play caller. He's been incredible in his career at that. He's risen the ranks, and he's he's navigated a lot of high-level offenses with, yes, some good talent, but also some years where there were some guys that weren't named Marcus Mariota at quarterback in, in, in some of his stops. Milton's really good, too, by the way, right? So now that Lubick's kind of got the, the keys, I think he can kind of just drill down be in communication with the rest of the offense, but I think him and Greg Austin can really get on the same page versus maybe some second guessing going on that that Scott had to deal with as play caller, as game planner, and, oh yeah, also as head coach, where, well, damn, there's just a kickoff return, what happened, or... Man, there's another third down conversion. Why didn't the defense get off the field? I mean, you can just worry about everything and also not be absolutely hands-on fingerprints to the offense. You can you can get an identity of of what you want to be to fix your red zone problems. That means you can throw to your 6-11 tight end. That means you can uh, run the football in assuming you find a running back that stays healthy and can grind out some yards. So I think the offense has the capability based on what you see with the offensive line coming back and your your returning quarterback to be more Rutgers game-like. Now, uh, do they have some guys step up? We'll get into that with Jerry DiNardo here in a little bit. Baseball preview this weekend. Nebraska enters in. Uh, Thompson, the Big Ten. Maryland's a game below five hundred. Uh, it'll be key for Nebraska, and Will Bolt said it yesterday to kind of get on Maryland early. Let's hear from Will Bolt as he talks about Maryland and just what is coming to Haymarket this weekend. You got to get them early, um, you know, especially a good arm. You've got to sound like a broken record a little bit when it comes to it, but you, you've got to you got to be on time. You got to be on time to his best fastball in the first inning and you just gotta you gotta grind out your at bats and you've gotta you know you gotta set up enough innings with walks hit by pitch you know bunt base hits battle with two strikes just get jammed and and flare a ball in and then hopefully you can get a big swing there when you maybe pop a double or a home run so um against really good arms it's a lot to ask to string together 10 12 15 16 hits and maybe two or three in one inning uh, so you got to, again, that's where some of those those grit plays come into, into play there where it's like, hey, you got to win your 3-2 count. You got to take your walk. You've got to, you know, lay you down your bunt. Um, you got a chance to go first to third on a single. You got to do it. You got to you got to set up an inning to where you got a runner third with less than two outs and fill back, hit a ground ball to short. You get a run. Um, you just got to sometimes you got to manufacture um a little bit more against a really good arm and and Maryland I think they've got top to bottom probably if not the best one of the best rosters uh in terms of just pure talent on the mound uh their athleticism uh on defense and offensively they've got guys that can they can bop they can steal bases they can bump for a hit um they're they're a very very talented team and they're very very well coached so despite being a game below 500 Maryland has split with Michigan uh, in a football S score, seventeen to seven last weekend. So Maryland better than their record, a lot like Illinois. So it's uh, it's pretty key for Nebraska to to not 
and this team, I don't think, will put their feet up and come in with the, hey, we've arrived type attitude. I think they're entertaining, man. This baseball team's super fun just because of how crazy uh, they win. I mean, we're talking big innings, uh, stealing home, chicks dig the long ball, folks getting on base, suicide squeezes. I mean, it's it's a party with this Nebraska offense, and you got Povich that's on the hill right now uh, with a 2-1 and one record at uh, 3.95 ERA. Uh, the lefty, Sean Burke, pretty good at 1-1 one and one for Maryland. Uh, and you got uh, Shanneman on Sunday, Roach on Saturday. So we'll see uh, if Nebraska's offense can keep it up and uh, the offense stays explosive. We'll dive into some spring football topics. Derek Peterson, Hale Varsity on the way. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr with us. As uh, Pizzo is reminding me that he said Brian Harmon, yes, was my dark horse pick. Rick Pizzo, you are a wise, wise man. We'll let Pizzo know that he just got a shout out on the radio. Anyone that's been to Augusta before, like Pizzo, should be able to pick the the win place show, right? Uh, colleague of Rick Pizzo is Jerry DiNardo. The coach going to be with us in one hour. Bill Dolman going to be with us also a little bit after five. Numbers to get in, 466-3776-800-825-5865. So we are, uh, we got him? All right, Wow. Well, we welcome in uh, Dr. Uh, Petey himself, Derek Peterson, at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. Uh, Derek, what's good? How's your Friday, man? Uh, it's good. I apparently dropped my phone in the dead spot in our apartment, and it didn't ring the first time. Yeah, phones have been a little oh, we're here. crusty, you know? I mean, they just they just have. And maybe it's my phone. We Damon's got to put a quarter or two into into the machine every time he dials from the studio, so... That, that might be on our end. But, hey, I want to ask you, did you uh, get a chance to see the old uh, Husker Twitter video today? I did. Yeah. The uh, don't drink the Kool-Aid, don't yeah, drink the Kool-Aid, yeah, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I got to ask yep. you, what, 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 what's your favorite flavor of Kool-Aid? Uh, um, I don't know. That's a good question. I'm a gra- I, 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 I got to go. I have a favorite flavor. I got to go grape. I mean, you just got to go grape. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um. I'm trying to get away from the sugary stuff, so I haven't. I actually haven't had Kool Aid in a long time. Good, that's, um, that's fine. Which which can sort of serve as a a metaphor of sorts for Nebraska, <laughs> I guess. No, I haven't had Kool Aid for a while. No, that's that's perfect. What's your takeaways here for uh, the first two weeks here? What what's stuck out to you just broadly as you've uh, been able to hit practice and see what you've seen, uh, at least talk to who you've talked to. But overall, I mean, you know, uh, making our way to, to May 1st, which is great, but uh, some things that have kind of piqued your radar. Yeah, I think for the most part, I, I think you should be um, 
happy with kind of what you've seen and, and what you've heard. Um, I know that there was some uh, some grumbling about the players that missed the open period of practice uh, that we got to see this past Wednesday, um, which I, I understood. Um, I was I was hesitant in the moment to get like too worked up about guys sitting out, um, and then Nebraska sort of um, cleverly as as tends to be the case with some of these things. They they showcase Omar Manning doing stuff uh, in the in their video today on the field. He even waved. Um, I I had uh, I had Caleb Henry on my podcast this week, and one of the things we talked about, uh, one of the things he pointed out was like that could be look that could be the only practice that he misses all spring, and it just happened to be the practice that we saw. Um, and you know we kind of talked to and and I, I would say this to anybody that's overly concerned about a guy like Marquis Step missing or or a guy like Omar Manning missing like. For some of those guys, you know, if you had the choice, would you want them in the spring? Yes, over not having them available to you. Yeah, you would take them available to you. Um, but you know, I mean, it, it's not—we're not talking about preseason camp here, so I'm not—I'm not too worried about um, guys being out in that regard. It gives Gabe Irvin uh, a good look at, at running back. Um, it gives somebody like a Jamie Nance uh, a good look at wide receiver or Will Nixon, a good look at wide receiver. Um, if Omar is, is a little touch and go, um, Samori Toure, uh, seems like he's been, he's been, uh, what they, maybe what they expected or mm-hmm. what they hoped, or at least approaching that. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't really have any major issues. Um, I, I've been, I've been really pleased with what I've heard from the defense. They've got a lot of confidence and, uh, rightfully so, they should have confidence. Um, offensively, Adrian looks great. Uh, we saw him. You know, one of the videos that they put out uh, of of there's a there's a there's a clip where you can see Adrian and Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg all next to each other, and Logan has this big flak jacket on, and Adrian is right in front of him, and Adrian looks trim, man. He looks he looks good. Um, and, and he kind of said that he feels good. Levi Falk said that his arm is, is looking better than it has, um, certainly looking better than it did last spring where he was dealing with some shoulder stuff. Um, you know, I, I think all in all, you know, there's a situation where I don't think anybody is going to get to – I don't think anybody is going to get drunk on Kool-Aid, right? Nebraska is going gonna, is gonna to make the, the clever – remarks on social media, but I don't think anybody's going to get drunk on Kool-Aid this spring just because we are at the point in their tenure where it's time to prove it on the field. And I think everybody's sort of in that place. Um, so I think for this spring period, it was just about like, like let's not have any setbacks. Mm-hmm. And so far, like I haven't heard anything that, that was problematic. I haven't heard anything that gives me reason to pause. I'm not concerned about a guy like Ben Stilley missing time or a guy like Will Honus being limited. Um, I'm not con- I'm not overly concerned about Marquis Step just because it's spring. He's not missing fall camp. Um, so you know if, if we get into the summer and those guys are still unavailable or those guys are still touch and go, then we can kind of reassess there. But so far, I mean, I've been um, you know I, I think there are there are reasons to like what we've heard and 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 hopefully you know Nebraska can continue. Derek Peterson's with us. HailVarsity.com and magazine uh, Varsity Clubs. His podcast at Dr. PDHV on Twitter. No, it's been good. The the consistency thing with with Omar, just because he's missed time before, 
is yep. is a question, and you, you you want him there. I I mean, if you're frosting the offense for sure, with Step, he's ran the inside outside zone a, a million times in his career. It's just about knowing the the lingo. When it comes to the rest of the running back room, Derek, um, with Morrison and Irvin and and Scott, and I know Ramirez was out the other day, and uh, yeah, the Tompkins. Uh, kid who's really talented but you know what's his what's his health like you know he's got to be uh we'd assume on a pitch count just based on his his knee history and and that's okay do you believe there's there's options in that running back room or are these guys still pretty early in their journey despite being here for in some instances three years with being able to to be trusted to be on the field and do everything yeah i mean you know, some of the best ability at the skill position is availability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So in that regard, you know, you look at a guy uh, like Ronald Tompkins, that's sort of, um, you know, he's been touch and go, to use a phrase that I used before. He's been touch and go. Um, same for a guy like Savion Morrison. We understand the reasons why, but, you know, at the end of the day, one of the best abilities is availability. And um, so, you know, those guys are, are missing out on, on valuable reps because they are so young and they don't have those game reps. Like, you, you probably need to get those guys um, some time on the field and some time with the offense and some time to build chemistry and confidence and things like that. All that being said, I still really like the running back room, um, the, the talent that Ryan Held has put together. Um, Ramir Johnson, you know, the, the, the talk of, of well, we still need consistency from him. We still need consistency from him. Um, it, it seems like that's sort of the same situation with, with Ronald Tompkins, maybe for different reasons. Um, but, you know, they've got Gabe Irvin here. They've got uh, the Yant kid who they, they're high on. And, um, you know, with the with the two guys that were freshmen last year, like, I like both of them. I like Marvin Scott. I like Savion Morrison. You know how much I like Savion mm-hmm. Morrison. Um, so, like, you know, to me it's, you know, the potential is bigger than um, the experience or what the production has been to this point. And so, you know, you're always going to be a little skeptical when that's the case. Um, but, you know, I, I still have confidence in, you know, the talent that Ryan Held has put in that room. And, you know, to be frank, I still have confidence in, in Ryan Held. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, it's a position that matters to him. It's a program that matters to him. And, and you know, I think – one of the things that we we've heard sort of across the board from the assistant coaches that's also been encouraging too is is just there is a um, a level of urgency mm-hmm. when uh, when they speak and you know I mean like the, the, it's typical coach speak to say like hey we've got to be better it's on us we got to be better but it just and I don't really know how to explain it it just feels a little different just with the delivery from from some of them. Um, and Ryan Hild is one of those guys where it just feel just just based on you know the emotion and just there's being a tone there, to it, isn't there? Face to face, there's a tone, there's a tone to it. Yeah. yeah, and I just I just have this sense like Held cares about this so much, um, and I still have confidence in him. I still have faith in him, and so when you add that to the fact that I like the talent in the running back room, I'm not overly concerned. Um, I, I think that. You know they're going to be tested, and they're going to have to have guys available to them. But you know, I don't, I don't think there are any reasons to to sound alarms or anything like that because there hasn't been a uh, a, a clear cut guy. Derek, I got a couple minutes here. What was your take uh, on Deontay Williams and 
Markel Dismuke. Uh, they, they were pretty uh, big time uh, in their post-media sessions this week, just how ticked off, well, maybe ticked off's too strong, but they, they were for sure disappointed there was no bowl game. They were asked about it, and they uh, they shot straight about it. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, you know, I didn't ask the question. I'm not going to ask the question about, um, you know, what happened last season. Those guys have moved on from last season. Um, obviously, they weren't too ticked off about it because they're still here. And and that's, you know, that's what I would say, too, to, to people that are maybe looking at some of the comments that were made and thinking, like, oh, is, is there a, a problem still in this locker room? I think if the locker room had fractured over Not that anymore. decision. Or, or at least, <laughs> because the guys that didn't want to right, play are yeah, gone. I mean, if, 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 it had, if it had, like, splintered in, in that because of that decision, um, you know, we would have found out about it and there would have been, you know, more turmoil this offseason. Um, more, there would have been a mass exodus this off season, and, and you know they, Nebraska lost some pieces, but they were, there wasn't a mass exodus. And uh, you know I think after um, sort of the 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 intentional team building uh, that Nebraska did uh, through the winter um, maybe helped in that regard. I mean, like Deontay said, it like it, it, at this program, like you should want to do that. It needs to be a thing where guys want to play in those extra games. Um, at, at the time when the decision came out. I was completely fine with it. Um, those guys went through the ringer. They went through a grinder of a season, and if they wanted to go home and be with their families, I wasn't going to question their toughness for that or their commitment to the game. Um, but, you know, rightfully so. A guy like Deontay Williams, he missed an entire season. Like, he missed all of 2019, so of course he wants more tape. Um, and then, you know, in 2018 they were better, but they didn't win a ton of games. And, and like, we've, we've known from recent experiences, Nebraska players have gotten docked because they haven't won games regardless of what they're – talent level is um, guys have told us this. So, you know, for him to want more tape and for him to want more opportunities to go get wins, is completely fine. Um, I understand both sides of it. Um, but, you know, I, it was, it was interesting in that he was brutally honest about it, but it wasn't, I don't think it was a situation where like, you know, people are, are walking around eggshells in the locker room or people, you know, should be waiting for like the bell to drop or something with, with the culture, with this team. I think they're all right, uh, but it was good to hear. Dr. Petey, have a good weekend, brother. We'll catch up next week. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate you, man. See you, man. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Derek Peterson. Great to run him down. Uh, coming up, Jerry DiNardo, less than an hour away. We'll say hi to Bill Dolman, the pride of Fairbury NBC Sports, going to join us. So I'm interested here, uh, NFL thoughts for a moment here. We're inching here a couple weeks away, a couple uh, weekends away, and then boom, we're going to be right in the thick of the NFL draft, and I'm pretty fascinated here about where things go with, with this NFL draft. And you, you've heard names mentioned, right? I mean, there's some big-time pass catchers in this draft. You, you got Rashad Bateman from Minnesota that has done nice things uh, as a gopher, and it seems like guys who played at Minnesota have done well in the league. When I think of Winfield with Tampa, I think of Johnson with Tampa, Guys that one had a starting role, one had a, a minimal role as a third receiver for the Super Bowl, Super Bowl run Tampa had, but 
Johnson had some big, big time catches in the NFC title game. You know, Pitts is out there. What, what needs to happen with him? With with his size and speed and ability is tight end crazy as the NFL is. But when we look at quarterback, you know, what does San Francisco do? And a lot of you, there's a special spot in your heart for the Niners just because of their their longtime Nebraska connections. That said, you've you've got uh, Justin Fields who got a second pro day, and San Francisco had a choice: do we do we watch Mac Jones in his pro day at Alabama? They did, or do we go watch Justin Fields? And there was a scheduling conflict with John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan. They didn't attend Fields' first pro day. Now you had Shanahan and Lynch. Uh, they get another chance to see what Fields can do. They want to see these guys in person per a source to ESPN. And they're making the pick, right? They've got a quarterback they need. Jimmy G, when healthy, got him to a Super Bowl. Jimmy G's missed way too many starts. You got Kittle. You've got some weapons around. You've got a Bosa. And your defense is pretty good. And you fell off a lot of it because of injury last year. And if push comes to shove, where do you go? Do you like Fields? Do you like Mac Jones? Both guys had insane talent around him. But Mac Jones like had all-time talent around him. And uh, people have been giving Fields all sorts of trouble based on what he didn't do against Northwestern. Right? He didn't play well against Northwestern. Oh, God. Didn't play well against Indiana. Oh, no. I had that pick six. They still won in the shootout. A tough ball game. And they kind of got rocked by Alabama, but guess what? Everyone was going to get rocked by Alabama this year. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you go with Fields? Big, physical, fast, athletic freak? Or do you go with Mac Jones? Or do you just throw everybody a curveball and go Trey Lance? Don't have an answer for you. But... There's, there's quarterbacks there under consideration. And Wilson's going to go to the Jets. Sunshine's going to go to Jayville and Urban Meyer. So if I'm making the pick, I, I guess I'm going to go Fields. I'm going to go with Fields. I'm going to go with Fields because of the athleticism. I'm going to go with Fields because of uh, his ability to to just grind it out and win different ways. Yes, he's been able to to, to lean on a, a big-time run game. This sounds really dumb, but he had less talent around him and he wanted a high level. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Now, there's pressure and there's high-level expectations at Alabama, and I, and I applaud Jones for waiting his turn, but I got a couple years of fields, Okay. And I got one year at Jones. Mac did come in when, when Tua got dinged, but you get my point. I guess I'm going to err on the side of, well, give me the guy who had more starts in college. That's where I'm at. It seems fair. 466-377-6800-825-5865. So quarterbacks are going to be the focal point. You know, a year... 
two or three years ago, we were some of us were thinking, you know, if Nebraska gets it right at quarterback, they'll have a guy someday soon, kind of in that Mariota mold that Frost helped produce. You got Milton that'll be at Florida State, and he's coming back from injury. But I, I like what Sharpie said here as we started spring ball where, wow, you know, pro day happened and this was supposed to be Adrian's pro day. And my, how things have kind of gone up and down on the roller coaster. So I'm excited to see where he goes for Nebraska this season. Clearly, obviously, I mean, he is the straw here for this offense, but there's a lot of talented quarterbacks, but it so depends on where you end up in the draft, man. So with some, some mock changes here, and really the first two picks are not in question, but you got McShay going with Mac Jones. You got Kuyper also, I think, going with Mac Jones. You've got Tannenbaum that says... Go with uh, somebody else. If you're Atlanta, do you go with Kyle Pitts? You got Julio. You got Pitts. Do you go with Trey Lance? You've got Ridley down there, Calvin Ridley's money, and you and you throw in Pitts. Now, with, with Matty Ryan, Matty Ice, he's got a couple of years left, I think. Cincinnati's also interesting because, man, if you could get Burrow, Jamar Chase, or one of the Bama wideouts, you just got Riley Reef, but if you get another tackle in Sewell or Slater from Northwestern, because Burrow can't keep getting killed. You need offensive line help. Cincinnati's offensive line's garbage. But man, Jamar Chase would be good. <laughs> I mean, that's LSU to LSU or or Devontae Smith to to Miami and team him back up with Tua. Waddle's supposed to go seven to Detroit. Carolina's interesting. They got Darnold. They've got Teddy to deal with, still on the roster. And then Denver. Let's talk, donkey fans. Denver needs and wants a quarterback. If both Trey Lance and Fields are still available, you can't not go that direction. You got to draft. Drew Locke and anything to to smile about i mean you, you look at herbert and what he can be doing that's your division you look at mahomes you look at Derek carr guess which of one of these is not like the other three you and your quarterback this field's last to 11 no no way no way new england can move up and get him sorry if, if Fields or Lance are there, Denver's got to go get him at nine. Get that quarterback spot. Give it another whirl at quarterback. We'll wind down this first hour. Thoughts from Bill Dolman on the NCAA and their handling of volleyball. Hale Varsity continues. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Bill Dolman, 10 minutes away. Jerry DiNardo, a couple of segments with the coach. He just take on spring ball. Hale Varsity is presented by the Nebraska Lottery, 46637. 
800-826-3776-800-825-5865. You want to chime in, can find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Damon Barr. That's two R's. So are you moving? Maybe you're looking to sell that house that has jumped in value. Let's talk to our friends at West Blue Realty. Call them today. They specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. And uh, going to make that next move. West Blue's the one you do it with for a limited time. You mentioned Hale Varsity. West Blue can provide you up to $1,000 on the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby and Kelly Hofsnyder, man, they do a, an amazing job together. Tom, I uh, can reach Tom Luby at 402 540 3768 or Kelly Hofschneider 402 202 2312. For more details, get that appointment set with West Blue Realty today. WestBlueRealty.com. They are in Lincoln for you at 1120 K Street, Suite 200. Damon, you hitting any baseball this weekend? You going to go down at all? I've been planning on making a trip out there, just trying to figure out free uh, times with school and whatnot. I know. Um, me and my roommates are all planning on going to a bunch of games down in May once he's fully vaccinated. But I, I, I'm wanting to go as soon as I can, man. Like, I want to get down there. I was thinking about tomorrow. I think I'm going to go play a little golf, assuming it's not a washout tomorrow. So a little golf and then uh, baseball with Junior this weekend, Sunday, the Sox versus a, the A's, the vaunted matchup for the Lincoln A's. That'll be gorgeous Sunday. And, yeah, I'll probably have to, to pick a different weekend. I can't wait for next Saturday, though, that open that open uh, scrimmage. And a 4,000 Nebraska fans, weather permitting, can go. We're going to have to see if we can talk Dolman into making a, a trip back here and uh, have him show up and, and check things out. So, yeah, I, I think baseball's absolutely – it, it kind of sucks things had to get moved up, but I totally get it. When it comes to possible rain and inclement weather, but it'll be it'll be a thing to watch. I I buy this team's mentality with Husker baseball, and they're you know top fifteen when it comes to slugging percentage and and power numbers. Uh, that is so nice, and and Will Bolt hit on it earlier. You heard him here just talking about having to get runs early and then you need that big inning, you need that big hit and you need that power element of the offense because it's just hard as all get out trying to to slam together three hits consecutively or get me an extra base hit, let's score some runs and uh, Nebraska baseball off to a fantastic start this season was not unexpected for them they were not picked top six by some of those air quote in the know <laughs> with uh, with the Big Ten preseason prognostications. So there we have it. Be sure to check the podcast out. Find uh, Hail Varsity Radio on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play. And of course, give us a follow Hail Varsity on Twitter at ESPN Lincoln on Twitter and the on-demand ESPNLincoln.com for the interviews. So, uh, one one nothing Nebraska here is they are in the bottom of the third. That one run across for the Big Red. 
Right of Fairbury on the way with Hale Varsity. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Hour two, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Great to be with you on a Friday. We say hi to the Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Bill Dolman with us, and Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D, what's shaking, man? How's your Friday? Well, just been uh, hanging out, watching a little bit of golf, like uh, most everybody else north of 50 these days. And uh, thinking <laughs> back to that uh, big day, oh, geez, when was this? Probably about eight, nine years ago when I started my broadcast career with uh, Nebraska ETV Network. It really wasn't that long ago, um, but uh, it's the anniversary. Yeah, well, something like that. Hasn't that been like 2012? Isn't that when I began? No, you, you did NET with Adrian and, and spring baseball in like 88 or 89. You had a mullet. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess you're probably right about that. You had to right? feed and water that bad boy. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yep, 1989 uh, on this day uh, when Nebraska took on Oklahoma at uh, Buck Belcher Field, the temperature about uh, 30 degrees mm-hmm. with a wind chill about 20 out of the north at uh, beautiful Buck Belcher Stadium. So, yeah, that was with uh, the, the wonderful Adrian Fiala. And the wonderful Jim Carmichael and, and Steve Alvis. So yeah, it's uh, it's been a, a day of remembrance. That's that's so awesome. And you being the tough dude you are, you you rocked it without sleeves. And <laughs> uh, and uh, a long time ago, you let me tag along with you to do a football game, and it was late October, and you're like, bruh, bring a coat. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't need a coat. It's sixty and great. I'm in shorts and a and a t-shirt and we're on top of some press box and I'm I'm frozen. I mean I mean you were you were right on the money cuz you'd uh, you'd lived it. You were there. You were at Buck Belzer in April and the temperature stuck with you and you were kind enough to remind me, dude, bring a coat and I I should have listened. I that's the coldest I've ever been in my life and you're just like I told you, should have brought a coat cuz we're doing a game outdoors just freezing my ass off and it was horrible. But- well, you weren't very smart. Uh, and still um, not. That's why uh, I, I tap into those above me. Well, you know, what's, what's interesting in thinking back to that day and how much, uh, you know, the, the business has changed, that game probably would not have been played had it not been on television. And, and on that day and that, at that era, there were very, very few college baseball games on television. Uh, anywhere other than um, I'm not even sure. I think ESPN had probably started doing the, the College World mm-hmm. Series, um, but for the most part, the, you couldn't really find a game on other than what Nebraska ETV was willing to do, and that went for a, a, a lot of other sports as well. I mean, Nebraska ETV was was way ahead of its time, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure that that game would have been canceled or at least postponed had it not been for television. Mm-hmm. Now. You know, I, I can I can turn on my uh, m- you know my my TV and find uh, a half dozen games on right now and replay. So you know, things have changed pretty dramatically uh, in the last uh, twelve years. 
or 32 years. 32. Uh, well, you, you're going to be able to turn your TV on for the opening round of NCAA Volleyball, but we're still up in the air whether or not there'll be announcers. Bill, walk us through this because of your experience in the business and your relationship with with volleyball. I mean, you've called national championship games for ESPN and volleyball, so you know the sport, you know Coach Pettit, you know Coach Cook. Uh, you're one of the first voices of volleyball, quite honestly, on TV. So as you look at the outcry and the reaction on social media yesterday to, to, to last night and then the NCAA's response and just how big a mess and couple of black eyes perception-wise by the NCAA for putting volleyball and women's sports on the back burner. I mean, that's how folks feel. That's how angry people are about this wonderful sport that's been whittled down to 48, not 64, and then let's slam everybody together in the, the CHI Center. I mean, there's been a, a lot of upheaval about this, not only with the TV side of it, but also the NCAA's uh, lack of care to, to highlight a, an incredible sport. How do you digest all of this the last 24 hours? Well, first of all, uh, to ESPN, I am available. That's what I said. Uh, <laughs> and would be more than happy to uh, to partake in the NCAA Volleyball uh, Tournament Championships. Um, it's really disappointing. Um, volleyball, yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you go back, and I go back to what I just said. Nebraska ETV at that time was ahead of a lot of places, <laughs> pretty much every place, in terms of giving exposure to what we would call Olympic sports today. You certainly don't want to call them non-revenue sports because at Nebraska, volleyball might be a revenue sport. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, you know, as a volleyball fan, it is disheartening. And I think back in the day, I think Chris Marlowe in the late 1980s and me and maybe a couple of other people out west were the only ones calling volleyball, and Nebraska ETV was maybe one of two networks doing volleyball. So uh, without Nebraska ETV, and I think Terry Pettit and John Cook would say this, without Nebraska ETV, the rise of Nebraska volleyball would not have been so quick and dramatic from the 1980s to the successes of the mid-1990s. That's not to say that it wouldn't have grown and become, you know, the global entity that it really is. But Nebraska ETV was was there to, you know, to uh, to nurture it and, you know, bring it to the forefront. And, you know, I, I did productions for NCAA, you know, many years for many years, and they would use the Nebraska ETV crew mm-hmm. um, because it was so highly respected in, in the in the product that, that it put on and the way that it respected the game. So for for the sport to, it, and I I hesitate to say it for this for the sport to go back to its televised roots, if you will. Uh, at Nebraska, where people understand the sport, get the sport. It's why they put the tournament there. They figured, you know what, in this really odd year, let's just put it at a place where we know people are going to care. And and that was a smart move by the NCAA. But then to put out this 48-team you know, format and then to not really have a plan in place the way they did for the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, um, and then to not tweak it after what they learned and what they did in Indianapolis and in San Antonio to say, okay, you know, this worked out pretty well. Let's, let's apply everything that we learned to Omaha, which is a magnificent city to host major events. And I put Omaha, I say this to anybody who will listen, I put Omaha and now Lincoln in the same vein as Indianapolis and Kansas City and San Antonio and Oklahoma City that have hosted major NCAA events and other major events. There's 
there's nothing second rate about what the show that Omaha can put on and the way Nebraska can host an event. But it's just like the NCAA has just shoved volleyball in this corner where, okay, we think people are really going to care, and that's all we really need to do. And I don't think it is fair to the athletes. I don't think it's fair to the coaches. I don't think it's fair you know, to, to the city of Omaha to, uh, for them to be able to put on a show mm-hmm. and show how great the city is and how great Nebraska is in putting on events like this. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate. <laughs> Part of me was thinking, is Mark Emmert trying to get fired? Because I think he's got a lot of money. He could probably just go off into the sunset. You just been so- botched the women's so- tournament with the, the, I, I, I the, weight room, the weight room. And you've got this uh, name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal. And, I mean, yeah, I, I just retire, man. If you hate your job, get out. And <laughs> well, the, it's the, as the simple as about, that. About locker rooms just seems to be really – Really, I mean, the one thing about it, okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna put every match on with announcers. All right, whatever. You you don't think you can find people that can at least call it or whatever the reason might be. Well, what is the reason, in your opinion? You what know? is the reason? Why do you think that they're not doing it? I don't know. I, I I honestly don't know because this is an opportunity to showcase what I believe, and I, and I think I'm probably you know preaching to the choir here. Uh, the 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 premier women's uh, athletic. Premier women's sport. I mean, I don't think there's any any sport that that showcases women's athletics greater than volleyball, and I don't think any any platform platform provides a better environment and atmosphere for it than Nebraska. And so, I, I think if if you're the volleyball committee, and if you're the, if you're the volleyball community, and if you're Omaha, and you say this is an opportunity for us to showcase the sport once again amidst all that's going on, you know, with, with the pandemic and everything, but we can still showcase not just a, a, a great women's sport, a great sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I'll go back. One thing that's always bothered me for a hundred years is it, when, when Nebraska used to host almost annually, the NCAA men's gymnastics championships, Francis Allen was in his heydays with Phil Cahoy and Jim Hartung and, the Demises, all, all of that. And you go, and Neil Palmer, don't want to forget Neil Palmer, whose birthday was yesterday, my former partner at NETV. They would have 14,000, 15,000 people at the Devaney Center for the, for the National Men's Gymnastics Championships. And the NCAA, like in the mid-80s or later 80s, said, you know what? This is kind of unfair. Nebraska's really good. We need to move it. So they take it to UCLA or to Penn State, one of the two, and they get like 200 people there for the finals. I mean, there's nobody there. And from really that moment on, the sport has, has been dying. And, and, and now you've got an opportunity once again, not to say that women's volleyball is going to die if it's not in, in Lincoln or if it's not on major ESPN for the first couple of rounds, but you have an opportunity to showcase the greatness of the athletes, the greatness of the coaches, the greatness of the fans, and how great the sport can be. And I think it's just a total missed opportunity by all parties involved. And for the NCAA to not be pushing this, I, I, I just don't understand it. But again, I'm available. Bill Dolman. Uh, hopefully we'll see him next uh, Thursday uh, doing uh, opening round coverage in action. Uh, and Dolman, you and uh, the German Shepherd got a place in the basement if you want it. So. <laughs> The the uh, the invites open. Uh, Pride of Fairbury is with us. Hail Varsity Radio at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D. Uh, Tim Miles is off to uh, Technology Land out there in the Bay Area, San Jose State. They're in the Mountain West. They've not done well in the Mountain. 
Uh, we we thought Tim would land back in the Mountain West, but your reaction to him uh, him getting back into coaching? Well, I, you know, I, I thought the New Mexico gig would be great for him. I thought Utah State, following his former assistant Craig Smith, would be a, a great fit for him. Just just culturally knowing him and knowing that you know he's really one of us, a Midwestern guy. Um, I, I am I am surprised that you know that he's taken a, a job where there's just not going to be a ton of interest. That's not to say that he can't turn it around. I kind of think about, you know, what Steve Fisher did at San Diego state, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, a beautiful area where there are a hell of a lot more things to do uh, than go watch a college basketball game. But Steve Fisher, you know, brought that program into great prominence and, you know, they've had success since he's, he's retired. Um, I think the challenge for Tim at San Jose state is far greater than, uh, than the one at uh, at San Diego State, but I think that's that's the best comparison I can come up with. I mean, they're getting they're getting may- maybe fifteen hundred fans a home game, which I was actually surprised to read that. Um, there's I, I the last time I can remember San Jose State State being you know very good in basketball, they came to the Emeritus Classic in Lincoln, and I think Tony Farmer was playing for them before he transferred to Nebraska. Mm. Um, th- but you know. Uh, Tim wants to, Tim, Tim's a coach, and as great as he is with the media and as good as he was with the Big Ten Network, he's, he's still a coach at heart. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that's probably been a difficult transition for him being in his mid-50s. As a, if he was probably 64, mm-hmm. he probably stays with the Big Ten Network forever Dear. or, you yeah. know, goes back to, you know, a, a school in the big sky. But, look, he's got a chance to take a program – that has nowhere to go but up. It's not as dire as it was when Scott Drew took over at Baylor, and look where he ended up. San Jose State's not won a national championship, but you know, God, God loved Tim Miles. Uh, I, I hope he does well out there. And any, any, if he's a 500 coach out there, that's going to be greater than the, much of the success they've had over the history of the program. They also have never won an NCAA tournament game, much mm. like he couldn't get it done in Nebraska. But I think they're like going three, four, or five in, in trips to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I, we love Tim. We all hope that he does well. I, I just, I, I just hope that you know he is able to carve for himself um, um, or find himself a stage to where he can, you know, get some attention for that program because it'll be tough. There's 10 million people out there and 10 million things to do. He's uh, perfect at that, though, man. I mean, he was such a a, a good showman higher and 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 he won in year two and they they nailed their their transfer kids that turned into an ncaa tournament team i mean it was just perfect perfect storm that second year with the the right dude to kick off opening up pba right and you know he'll he'll get attention and folks will want to go cheer for him because of his personality bill i've got about a minute left we were talking nfl draft here last uh, last hour can denver go get a quarterback in at number in at number nine i mean if if some of these guys that aren't the top two guys fall right can is denver looking and thinking quarterback about a you minute? don't hear that you don't hear that quite as much anymore um and and that and maybe that's because i, I think a month ago they thought they were going to get deshaun watson and I think maybe now we know why Deshaun Watson or one of the reasons why he wants out of Houston so bad, and it may not necessarily be because of the Texans' management, um, you know, maybe more uh, his own management style. How many strip malls so, are in Denver, Bill? 
<laughs> you know, I'm just I, I I really think that Denver thought that they were going to be able to to coax him to come here, and now I, I don't see how anybody. I'm not I'm not sure Deshaun Watson plays in the NFL next year or if ever again. Um, but so I think that whole quarterback talk has has cooled a lot with Sam Darnold going mm-hmm. to. Uh, Carolina. To Carolina now, now, now uh, Bridgewater might be available. I don't know. They might bring him in, but I, I think that with the Watson stuff cooling considerably, and it looks like the quarterbacks are going to go like what the first four picks, yeah. maybe the first five mm-hmm. um, or five in the first six. Then I think that they're probably going to say, "All right, we're going to give Drew Locke another go at it. Um, go get a playmaker elsewhere, and then maybe bring in an experienced backup and okay. in." in you know, and mentor, uh, mentor lock for a, a year and give him, and give him one more chance. But, you know, he's not the golden boy that he was a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. And, you know, he was hip hopping his way onto the field as a backup quarterback. He got exposed pretty big last year. And, uh, if, if he doesn't come around there, he'll certainly find one next year. Bill Dolman with us. Billy, do you have a good weekend? Thanks for jumping on today, bud. Thanks for having me. And again, I'm available. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Back with you, Tail Bar City Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's talk some spring football and get caught up with part of the Big Ten Network, the coach, Jerry DiNardo, with us at Jerry DiNardo on Twitter. Coach, what have you been up to? How are you? I'm, I'm doing great. I've uh, been vaccinated, feel really good about that, as has my entire family. Uh, just trying to, you know, take day to day. Haven't really done a lot with spring practice. Just starting to follow it now, actually, but... Uh, hopeful and confident that it's going to be a pretty normal spring practice and a pretty normal fall. You know, that is that is the hope. I was able to get dose one this week and uh, three weeks, uh, I'm counting down, man, to, to get that second dose. But yeah, normalcy would be fantastic. And, you know, I, I want to get your take uh, as we look at Nebraska. What What do you think not having a spring and having a choppy fall did to some teams in the Big Ten that, that are trying to build, like in Nebraska. And you saw Ohio State on the other end of the spectrum, I mean, get all the way to the championship game. How do you think, as a whole, the league was able to navigate? You know, I think it was, you know, a little inconsistent. You know, I think everyone had – you know, unique problems to their program. Uh, you know, you mentioned Ohio State. Uh, you know, what a great year. Uh, but, you know, they didn't develop their depth like they would have liked to have had. Uh, and I don't know that it would have made a difference in the Alabama game, but, you know, they, they certainly missed uh, an opportunity to uh, be the best possible team they could be on championship night. And, again, I don't know that – Made a difference. I mean, I was at the game. I, I I don't know that anybody could have really beaten Alabama this year. I mean, they just were so explosive offensively. And then you know, a team like Nebraska that's building. You know, a team like Michigan State that didn't even have a spring practice, and 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 Mel Tucker got the job after the signing day. I mean, so I think everyone had unique problems uh, to the COVID situation. Uh, some people had a better attitude about the way the conference handled it than others, and 
And I think that was that was part of it. You, you know, you can't do anything nowadays in this country without somehow politics coming in. So that that impacted some of the teams, and so just uh, inconsistent challenges for every, for all four teams. Jerry Donardo's with us, Big Ten Network, the coach, Hale Varsity Radio, at Jerry Donardo on Twitter. Uh, you know, with the programs you took over, and the, there's an emphasis every spring on fundamentals. And how did you go about instilling that? Kids have played football for a long time, and then they get to this college level, and a lot of them enroll early. Some are, are transfers. Some are JUCO. But with, with your approach, be it when you guys were building at Colorado or when you took over at LSU or when you went to Indiana, was it pretty uniform the jobs were not obviously, but when it comes to how you wanted to, to direct things, what was your blueprint? Well, I always felt like we should come out of spring with our team, not counting on any help from the newcomers, knowing that, you know, when Ben Jarvis Green Ellis was going to join us at Indiana, he was probably going to start. When Kevin Falk joined us at LSU, he was probably going to start. But I think the attitude that I wanted the staff and the players to come out of spring practice was, you know, this is, this is our team. This is our two deep. If we get some help from a newcomer, that's fine. But, you know, win the job in the spring. We'll, con- we'll continue to compete during camp. But let- let's feel good about the team in the spring without guaranteeing any additional help. You know, with the transfer portal now, I, you know, I think your attitude can be the same, but you know, you know you're going to get more help in the fall maybe by newcomers than ever before because a newcomer used to be an incoming freshman, maybe a JC transfer that couldn't transfer at mid-semester. Now we've got the, you know, the portal going on during the summer. I, someone told me a couple of the schools, I think maybe Penn State and Michigan had, had 60-something people that they lost through the portal or whatever. And so – it's changed somewhat. You know, the pitch count is interesting to me. We never really did that, although I can't say that unless Kevin Falk had tackled in the spring by way of example. But, you know, Urban Meyer used to always talk about the pitch count. If a, if, if a player has taken a thousand game snaps, they're not scrimmaging in, in, in the spring. They may not even be part of group drills, maybe just individual drills. I think that's a great concept and something I wish I had done with maybe more of my players other than the obvious, like a great tailback. Jerry Donato's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. The, the pitch count is interesting. Put yourself back in a headset. Would you spend more time still going after blue-chip high school kids, or would you lean more on the portal? How would you, you adjust to the, to the roster management? It depends where I was, right? It depends if I was at LSU where I could recruit the best players in the country. You know, I'd still go after the four or five stars. And then, you know, if there was uh, another program that had three, four stars stacked up at quarterback and, and Justin Fields was one of them, you know, I, I, I would take him. So it just depends where you are. You know, if I'm Tom Allen, you know, I'm recruiting three stars and – the more success I have, the more chance I have at a four-star in Indiana. But, you know, if somebody wants to come uh, that's had 
a lot of playing time at a Pac-12 school, and for some reason they want to come to school, they, they watch this on TV, or there's some academic program that they can get an advanced degree on, then I would do a little bit of both. So I think it just, I think it just depends, Chris. You know, the portals become junior college uh, recruiting, right? And mm-hmm. not every school recruited junior colleges. Some did, some didn't. So culturally, it might come down to that. If you've made a living on junior college players in the past, maybe you make a living on the portal. Coach, I want to stick and follow up with, with Indiana, you know, Bloomington well. And Indiana's a, just a really awesome football team last year. Coach Allen's had them building, and, man, they were dynamite. What's What's he got going there in Bloomington? Because Indiana's not really just a nice story anymore. I mean, I think they're good enough on both sides of the ball. On top of the fact, every time I see a video, and I know that's why the video's out there, but guys seem so locked in with him. I mean, the, the, the buy-in not being in that locker room seems a thousand percent. Yeah, and every team has its own chemistry. So next year, you know, he'll fight some complacency. You know, the Indiana thing to me is an incredible example of how long it really takes to build a program at a have-not, right? I mean, I keep saying that this was the 10th year of the program because Kevin Wilson did some really good work there. Tom joined Kevin as a defensive coordinator and took over. And when I went there, I said it, was a 10, it would be a 10-year deal. And so I just think now that he has his, 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 his foundation, his personality, he's an Indiana guy, you know, now it, it, it's just going to hopefully for him, it's going to continue to get better. But their recruiting is not going to change drastically because it's still recruiting is about peer, right? Mm-hmm. What other schools can I go to? If I get admitted to Harvard academically, I'm probably going to go. Doesn't mean that all the other schools aren't any good. And if I have an opportunity to go to a team that is constantly in the college football playoff conversation, like Ohio State, I'm going Ohio State. And mm-hmm. and so, uh, you know, you, when you when you're at Indiana, the same thing is true. Remember this: Bill Mallory, the great Bill Mallory, is the winningest coach of all time, Chris, at Indiana. Mm-hmm. Sixty-nine wins. 30 of them, I believe, were non-conference wins. So that's, that's the culture and the history of Indiana. Can Tom change it? Well, you, you know, I, I think a lot of people are hoping that he can. But it, it, it's, it's, it's not a done deal. Mm-hmm. It, it's not over at Indiana. They still have a lot of work to do. Great point on the complacency. You've been climbing the mountain, and uh, you, you, you hit a different uh, level of the mountain for Indiana football last year, but can you can you follow it up? Can you do it again? Coach Donardo's with us, Big Ten Network, Ale Varsity Radio. Coach, as you look at Nebraska, and I know you have have yet to, to take a full deep dive into spring twenty twenty one, but you know, what what are the questions I guess you may have or that are out there in your opinion on, on Nebraska as Coach Frost and company go into year four? Uh, we'll get a look here in a week to see uh, a full scrimmage. The uh, the spring game's coming up May 1st, but the the narrative has been more attention to detail, more focus on special teams, and you got a lot back defensively. But as you looked at Nebraska and review them from a year ago, what are some of the questions you have looking forward? Yeah, you know, and, and it, it's it's really very general, Chris. I mean, I don't know the roster like you do, and I don't know – 
the strengths and the weaknesses like you do. But, you know, I go back to my history. And interesting, my history has something to do with Colorado and Nebraska. Yeah. And there's a reason I'm going to say what I'm, what I'm about to say is when I was at Colorado, Bill McCartney made Nebraska the rival, right? Everybody knows that, right? And yet we were getting beat by Kansas State, which wasn't a very good program back then. So I took away from that experience. Do I try to build a program? by going after the best person, the best team that we're playing against, or do I try to beat the teams that are not very good like myself? Bill chose to, to do it with Nebraska as they condemn the rival. I don't see it that way. And here's why I think it's relevant to your question. If I'm Nebraska without knowing the specifics like you do, and I'm a fan and I'm a coach, I want to I beat the teams that I match up with. I want to look at my recruiting rankings. I want to look at the recruiting rankings of the opponent. I want to look at the teams that have less resources than I do because a lot of teams have less resources than Nebraska, and yet they're still beating us. So to me, it's who matches up with them and can I beat them. In other words, when Scott Frost switches sidelines with the other coach, it makes a difference. Because when Ohio State plays Youngstown State, the Ohio State coach can walk to the Youngstown State sideline, the Youngstown State coach can walk to the Ohio State sideline, and Ohio State's still going to win the game. So the games that coaching matters, and this is why, you know, if I was an athletic director, this is what I'm judging. I'm not, it's, not a, it's not three years turning around, four years turning around. It's do I believe in the plan, and is my coach out recruiting certain people and when they out recruit certain people or when they match up against a similar talented team, are they winning games? And I think that's how we, we, we how I look at the Nebraska situation. Can they beat the teams that they match up with? Maybe better special teams does that. Maybe paying attention to detail. But all the stuff, all the buzzwords that's going around in Lincoln, they probably are going to contribute to beating a matchup opponent. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. A few more minutes, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. More with Coach Denardo. On paper, Nebraska's recruited really well, uh, but they're not consistently beating teams that they're on paper more talented than in the West. A, th- a thought here with running backs and. You know, Nebraska got some bad news this week with Marquis Stepp. He had to have surgery. He was a, a, a transfer from USC, and he's a guy that Nebraska was going to try and lean on. They, they've got a stable of, of high-level recruited backs, but no one's really popped, really emerged. What, what prevents a kid from playing early and often when they make the jump to college in your experience as a coach? Well, you know, you have to track them, I think, from – the weight room to the game. By that I mean this. Okay, so I've got uh, I've got John Smith, and he's given us great effort in the off-season program. Then in spring practice, he's really good in uh, individual drills. He's really good in the meeting room, and then in the group drill, when you take two groups together, maybe he's not quite as good. And then in the team situation. He falls a, a little behind again, and then in the scrimmage he doesn't perform. So where, where, in a, where in a player's evolution did they start slipping back, right? I mean, nowadays they're so smart, 
They've all learned visually because of video and so on and so forth. So most of your players are probably really good in the classroom. And then if you're a good athlete in an individual drill, you can hold your own. But then when that individual drill becomes a group drill where you take two groups against one another, he's not as good. And then in team, he's not aware of situations. He doesn't, he doesn't understand it was, it, was, it was third and five, and as soon as you catch the ball, get upfield right away or make the inside cut through the inside shoulder of the linebacker instead of trying to break a big one and all that. So you just have to make sure when you recruit a really talented athlete that as he progresses from the weight room to the meeting room, to the individual work, to the group work, to the team work, to the scrimmage work, where does he fall off? And that's where you that's where you have to spend most of your time. If he's really good at everything, like a quarterback, Chris, a quarterback in the spring knows he's probably not going to get hit, right? So he comes back and his eyes are always downfield because the coaches won't let him get sacked. And then the first game, he's looking at the rush because he's concerned about the rush. So things like that. The, the, the learning stops somewhere, and wherever it stops, that's what you have to go back to and spend extra time on. Coach, what did you what did you tell quarterbacks uh, when it comes to turnovers, fumbling, throwing the football, interceptions? Uh, year four for Adrian, big time emphasis from all parties, including Adrian, about taking care of the ball between special teams and turnovers. Those have been uh, issues for Nebraska's uh, win total. And uh, you want a guy to play free and play fast and go make plays but you don't want uh, the damage of a turnover. Uh, did you have a situation where uh, a quarterback may have been gun-shy and too worried about turning the ball over and, and it affected his playmaking? Yeah, I, tr- I, I think you try to find, you know, you do this with, with great players as well, you try to find common themes in their mistakes, right? Are they, are they judgment? Are they not understanding the coverage if you're a quarterback? Uh, if you're a running back, are they not understanding the blocking schemes? And so uh, no mistake, no learning. So if you took right, – let's, let's use quarterback as an example. If you took all the mistakes that the quarterback made and watched them all together, there's probably something in there that's common in the majority of those snaps you're looking it could be – I mean, it's like the NFL draft, right? I mean, someone's going to draft the quarterback, probably Jacksonville's going to probably draft the quarterback the first pick, right? Uh-huh. Well, I don't want to see all those good plays. I want to see a quarterback's bad plays. If the majority of a quarterback's bad plays are bad judgment, that's the biggest problem. Uh-huh. If they're not understanding coverage or their hand placement's not right or they're not stepping into their throw, you can fix that stuff. But if I watch 20 bad plays of a quarterback and 14 of them are because of bad judgment, man, that's hard to change. But you have to address it and try to change it. Coach, your thoughts on, on Barry Alvarez stepping down? I'm going to miss him. You know, he's always been uh, – I, I, I mean, I, I think everybody – everyone has said everything about Barry, right? Mm-hmm. He's built a great program and all that. My, my reflection is that uh, – the way he treated us at the Big Ten Network. I mean, I go way back to with Barry as yeah, an assistant coach, as a head coach, as a friend and all that. But my most recent thing is that I represent the Big Ten Network and we are treated in 14 different ways on 14 different campuses. And one of the campuses that we are treated first class 
with great hospitality is Wisconsin. And, and part of that is the culture. And you, you give credit to the leader, just like on some campuses where it's not so warm and fuzzy, it's about the leadership. So I thank Barry for the way he has treated the Big Ten Network, uh, aside from all the other things that everyone else has said about him. I agree with all those other things. But for me, it's recent history, and I thank him for being so good to us. How far back do you go? I mean, you, you guys, I think, just missed each other playing against one another, but he was at Notre Dame. You're a Notre Dame guy. I mean, how far back's a relationship uh, dive? Uh, I, I guess I remember the first thing is uh, recruiting in Detroit against him. I think he was at Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I remember the two finalists for the Wisconsin job when he got it with Lloyd Carr, who's a very dear friend of mine, and, and Barry. That's kind of when I first started following him and getting to know him a little bit. Uh, so I never worked exactly with him, but, you know, crossed paths and, uh, you know, knew he was a guy you could learn a lot about defense about and that kind of thing. But I, I'd say, as I remember, uh, I was at Eastern Michigan. He was at Iowa, and we recruited some of the same buildings in Detroit. Brett Bielema, what's the outlook in Illinois for him before we say goodbye? I think it's a great hire. Uh, I think Brett's, uh he's had success. He's been humbled. Uh, he's an Illinois guy. You know, he went to Iowa, but, you know, he grew up in Illinois. Uh, I think, like a lot of coaching hires, it's usually the opposite of who you just fired. I think he's opposite of, of Lovey. Uh, you know, he's going to be more involved. He's going to be an uh, up-tempo recruiter. Uh, they're both defensive guys, but uh, I, I'll be surprised if, uh, if he doesn't do a good job there. You know, Illinois, I think, is the, next to Ohio, the state that has the most prospects that sign in the Big Ten every year, and they haven't done a good job recruiting in-state. And I always say that – I would always say to Indiana staff or – uh, LSU staff, not necessarily Vanderbilt, but we're going we're gonna to go after guys in the state, and we're not going to get them all because some just want to go away. But that high school coach, that recruit, and that recruit's family better say to us, we're going somewhere else, but you guys did the best job recruiting us. And that's what Brett will do in Illinois. He won't get all of the prospects, and there's a ton of them, but every one of them will say they did the best job recruiting me, and that was something I, I don't think that Lovey really embraced. Coach Jerry DiNardo, Big Ten Network. Coach, enjoy the spring. We'll get caught up again soon. So much uh, thanks to you for your time today. You bet. Thanks, Chris. Good to hear from Uncle Jerry. We'll wind a Friday down. Weekend edition tomorrow morning. News on volleyball coverage from ESPN to tell you about Husker baseball update. We'll wind it down next on Hale Varsity. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HaleVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Husker Baseball doing their thing. They are up 3-1 to one in the bottom of the fifth. Uh, Schwellenbach doing damage, a two-run double. Check that. Single. But the point is, is Schwellenbach has all three RBI, and Nebraska's up 3-1 to one over them Terps. So good news here from ESPN. Not long after uh, we wrapped up with 
the pride of Fairbury, Bill Dolman. ESPN has responded and updated their coverage and plans for the NCAA Volleyball Tournament. All matches in the first two rounds will be shown live on ESPN platforms. That is good. ESPN says this. ESPN's committed to presenting the NCAA Volleyball Championship in its entirety for the first time this year, including the first and second round matches despite some uh, despite the variety of challenges related to the pandemic, all 47 matches will be live on an ESPN flat platform and include commentators. Damon, have you done volleyball before? I'm willing to give it a try. So that is new. Last time I did volleyball was 2002, Dakota State versus somebody. And my uh, color commentator was awesome. I was not. I just, yeah, not good at volleyball. And they hit the ball mm. over the net. Well, good old rest his soul, Bill Luxford. He, I love him so much, and it's been gone a few years. He'd have me and Motsi do some of the city TV coverage. Yeah, and that included some of the first and second round of the state volleyball tournament before they went to NET for the Saturdays. So I'd I'd absolutely fumble my way through those. I, I know more about basketball and, and football, but I love watching volleyball. I mean, love checking that out when it's on BTN and NET. And yeah, good. So I'm, I'm hoping uh, that that offer still stands. You get one of the couches and the German Shepherd or Labradoodle Dolman. Uh, to find your way uh, back to uh, to Lincoln uh, next week for some of the opening round coverage. Weekend plans, aside from uh, tomorrow morning, you and I sleepwalking in here for a two-hour weekend fest. Cranack will be on assignment. We'll hear from the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp, Brandon Vogel with us, and a uh, pretty good rewind tomorrow. A couple of different choices, a good week uh, of guests. You miss any part of the show or you miss the uh, – the chance to hear an interview can log on ESPNLincoln.com, the on-demand section. That'll all be posted as well, part of the two-minute drill, ESPN Lincoln, on Twitter, at Hale Varsity, And then the podcast, give us a review, tell us what you think, and uh, just get the subscription. It doesn't cost you nothing. That's iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Damon, you are doing what, my friend, tonight? Is it is it Cheese and Wine Friday? It is um, get ready to pack everything you own into boxes weekend. You're moving. Yeah, we're moving into a, me and my girlfriend into a new apartment this summer. So mm-hmm. we're starting the long, arduous process this is weekend. Is there a pool? Uh, there will be two pools, I believe. Ah, so you're going into one of them apartments. <laughs> one of them apartments, that's right. Look at that. Damon Barr and his rum will be scoping out a pool near you. Talk to you tomorrow morning for the weekend edition. Thanks for tuning in to Hale Varsity.